So Lord, would you speak to us now, whether we're young, whether we're old, about what you want to speak to us this morning. Amen. Okay, so as we begin, I need, I need one. Count with me. Seven. I need seven people who are going to happy to help me this morning with something that we're going to do to explain this message. So Sally's going to come, and so we need seven. So Sally, we're going to count seven. Two. You've got to be quick. Four. Five. Six. Seven. But we'll use them. We'll use them. Right. Are you, you're going to take them off, and you're going to go, go with Sally. It's all right, we'll use them for something else in a, in a, in a bit. So if you want to go with Sally, Sally's going get to you, get you ready. And what for the rest of us is, I want us to imagine, you know, as we start this series, I want us to imagine that we might be going to the cinema. We might be going to watch a film, or we might be, if we're older, we might be in the middle of London's West End, and we're about to go and see a show. And just before we go to see that play, you're kind of sat there in your seat and you're chatting to your friend about this play that you're going to watch or this film that you're going to watch and you're chatting about what you might know. And so as we begin this new series on the book of Revelation, which for most Christians is the most difficult book in the Bible to understand, I want to give you three things very quickly that I've found helpful. It doesn't mean that you'll find them helpful, but I found them helpful. So here's the, here's the first thing about the book of Revelation. Who, put your hand up if you've read any of the book of Revelation. Any of it. Put your hand up if you've read any of it. Right. I can't believe you. Put your hand up if you've read any of the book of Revelation. Right. Now, keep your hand up if you understand it. You see, it's the most difficult book, so how do we understand it? So here's my first helpful tip. To understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand the Old Testament. Why do I say that? Because for every verse in the book of Revelation, there's at least one illustration or one image or a bit of language that, is, that comes from the Old Testament and five books in particular. Exodus, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. That's the first thing. The second thing is, as Harry and Barnaby read it for us, this is a book all about God. You know, when I used to do Kids Club, what kids used to ask me, the number one question they used to ask me about God was this. Who made God? Think about it for a minute. Who made God? It's a really good question to ask, isn't it? And we all know the answer is... Or maybe we don't all know the answer is. It's no one. God was already there, as Harry and Barnaby talked about. He's from the beginning and the end. And here's the third thing. Know what that word revelation actually means. And so with that, the lights start to darken. All of a sudden, all the chatter around goes silent, and it's now dark. And all of a sudden, you hear this music softly, mysteriously at first. And then it rises to a great swell 
And at that moment, if you like, the curtain rises or is pulled back. And then you're drawn to this dazzling light. And as you're looking at this dazzling light, it's as if you're all in this room with one part of the room kind of clear for everyone to see. And as you're watching, all of a sudden these actors appear kind of like from hiding places and they're singing and they're making their way towards the front of the stage. And on that stage you can see a castle. And in that castle you can see it's half full of people and animals. And I'll let you work out which famous player I'm describing the beginning of. Because the point is, is know what the word revelation means. You see, revelation, it actually means this. It means like pulling back a curtain or a curtain being raised. That's what it means. Into a person. That person is Jesus Christ. The first three words in the book of Revelation are revelation, Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to think about seven objects. Seven objects that Harry and Barnaby talked about in some way that help us understand who Jesus is and what he's done. And each time we're going to pull this curtain back and we're going to see who Jesus is or what he's done. So we're going to have the first one, aren't we? And we're going to pull the curtain back and see what we see. It's a cross. Because who is Jesus? He's described as the faithful witness. The word witness there means martyr. It means someone who died. Jesus is the one who came from heaven to earth to do what God told him to do, whatever the cost, even dying for us on a cross. That's the first thing that we see in this picture of Revelation that Jesus is the faithful witness. Will you come and just stand over there and just hold that from there? Right, we're going to see the next thing of right. Are we coming? Here's the next thing that we're going to see of how Jesus is described. Here we go. As we pull the curtain back, Jesus is described as the firstborn of the dead. And that's an image of, if you like, the the resurrection. When Jesus died and he came out of the tomb. And so it's an image that what we see of who is Jesus. He's someone who died. And then he's someone who walked out the tomb. He's the firstborn of the dead. And so if we bring that one over here and we'll... Come along, because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, he got out of it. Here we go, so let's put it there. And then we're going to close the curtain once more, and we're going to see who else does, does, does John want to tell us, this writer in this great vision of Jesus, who else does he want to say Jesus is? And the third one is a crown, because Jesus is described as the king of the rulers of the earth. He's not just a king, but the king of kings. 
And so we think of a crown. This is who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, maybe some of you are starting to think, oh, there's a picture here coming. That if you just come and stand over here, that if you, can you lift that up? Jesus is the faithful witness, the cross. He's the one who came out of the empty tomb, the firstborn of the dead. And he's the king of kings. And all of a sudden, we've got the Easter story of his death, of his resurrection and his ascension. And so John wants us to see this picture as we're watching this show of who Jesus is, but then he moves on, if you just stay there, because he doesn't finish there. Because then he starts to describe, well, what's Jesus done? And we read that he loves us as we pull back the curtain. And so I think about a heart. You see, Jesus is love. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you any less. He's love. He just says, come as you are. And he's love and says, but do not stay as you've been. And so I think of this heart. Because Jesus is love. And of course, there was no greater love that we saw that when Jesus came and when he died for us as the faithful witness on the cross. So if you go and stand with the, with the cross over there and we're going to pull back the curtain once more and we're going to say, well, what else has Jesus done? What else does John want us to describe here? And we read as we pull back the curtain that Jesus has freed us from our sins by his blood. And so we've got this, this chain here. Can you hold the chain in that hand like that as well? And you see, what happened, what John's trying to get as a picture of is this, that just as Jesus loves us and he died for us on the cross, it was actually by him coming back to life that he broke those chains. Can you break those chains? Can you break them? That's what he did. Because that's what sin does in each of our lives. It imprisons us. But Jesus, by his resurrection, he broke the power of sin and death on us because we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe, yet more loved and accepted by Jesus than we ever dared hope. And then we come to the last thing that John says about what Jesus has done. He loves us. He's freed us. And then as we pull back the curtain, he gives us purpose. You see, what he does is he then says, he doesn't then say after, after he loves us and after he's freed us, he then says, come and be part of a community. Come and be part of a community of the king. Come and live like he lived, and come and exercise his authority. Team Jesus. But hold on here. He's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He loves us. He's freed us, and he gives us purpose. But there's one final thing, perhaps in verse 7, but all the way throughout this book as we pull back the curtain. What we're going to see about Jesus as we go through this series is this. And it's this. It's a trumpet. You know when you blow a trumpet, you know, the people in Jesus' day, the Romans, 
they kind of perfected this trumpet, so much so that if you blew the trumpet, everybody knew what message it sent. And so what Jesus is described there is not just the one who brought heaven to earth and who brought earth to heaven, but what we're seeing is in this picture, we're going to see a picture of how Jesus will return to bring heaven and earth together. And that's the fanfare that you will not want to miss. That's the sound of the trumpet you will not want to miss. So as we finish, I wonder, do you know Jesus as your faithful witness, as your firstborn of the dead, as the ruler of the kings of the earth? Do you, or where do you need to know him like that this morning? Or do you know him that he loves you, that he's freed you from your sins, that you belong to him, ruling in his team? Or where do you need to know that? Or are you living in the light of Jesus' return? And with that, we close the curtain until next week. <laughs>